hear someone coming outside. Dick Wharton by the tread. He'll rouse you if any man can. Even as I spoke, the door was flung open, and honest Dick Wharton, with the water pouring from him, stepped in, his hearty red face looming through the haze like a harvest moon. He shook himself, and after greeting us, sat down by the fire to warm himself. Where away, Dick, on such a night as this? said I. You'll find the rheumatism a worse foe than the Kaffirs unless you keep more regular hours. Dick was looking unusually serious, almost frightened, one would say, if one did not know the man. Had to go, he replied. Had to go. One of Madison's cattle was seen straying down Sasasa Valley, and of course none of our blacks would go down that valley at night, and if we'd waited till morning, the brute would have been in Kaffirland. Why wouldn't they go down Sasasa Valley at night? asked Tom. Kaffirs, I suppose, said I. Ghosts, said Dick. We both laughed. I suppose they didn't give such a matter-of-fact fellow as you a sight of their charms, said Tom from the bunk. Yes, said Dick seriously. Yes, I saw what the blacks talk about, and I promise you lads I don't ever want to see it again. Tom sat up in his bed. Nonsense, Dick, you're joking, man. Come, tell us all about it. The legend first and your own experience afterward. Pass him over the bottle, Jack. Well, as to the legend, began Dick, it seems that the blacks have had it handed down to them that Sasasa Valley is haunted by a frightful fiend. Hunters and wanderers passing down the defile have seen its glowing eyes under the shadows of the cliff. And the story goes that whoever has chanced to encounter that baleful glare has had his afterlife blighted by the malignant power of this creature. Whether that be true or not, continued Dick ruefully, I may have an opportunity of judging for myself. Go on, Dick, go on, cried Tom. Let's hear about what you saw. Well, I was groping down the valley looking for that cow of Madison's and I had, I suppose, got halfway down, where a black craggy cliff juts into the ravine on the right, when I halted to have a pull at my flask. I had my eye fixed at the time upon the projecting cliff I have mentioned, and noticed nothing unusual about it. I then put up my flask and took a step or two forward, when in a moment there burst, apparently from the base of the rock, about eight feet from the ground and a hundred yards from me, a strange lurid glare, flickering and oscillating, gradually dying away and then reappearing again. No, no, I've seen many a glowworm and firefly, nothing of that sort. There it was, burning away, and I suppose I gazed at it, trembling in every limb for fully ten minutes. Then I took a step forward, when instantly it vanished, vanished like a candle blown out. I stepped back again but it was some time before I could find the exact spot and position from which it was visible. At last, there it was, the weird reddish light flickering away as before. Then I screwed up my courage and made for the rock, but the ground was so uneven that it was impossible to steer straight, and though I walked along the whole base of the cliff, I could see nothing. Then I made tracks for home, and I can tell you, boys, that until you remarked it, I never knew it was raining the whole way along. But hello, what's the matter with Tom? What indeed? Tom was now sitting with his legs over the side of the bunk, 
and his whole face betraying excitement so intense as to be almost painful. The fiend would have two eyes. How many lights did you see, Dick? Speak out. Only one. Hurrah, cried Tom. That's better. Whereupon he kicked the blankets into the middle of the room and began pacing up and down with long feverish strides. Suddenly he stopped opposite Dick and laid his hand upon his shoulder. I say, Dick, could we get to Sasasa Valley before sunrise? Scarcely, said Dick. Well, look here. We're old friends, Dick Wharton, you and I. Now don't you tell any other man what you have told us for a week. You'll promise that, won't you? I could see by the look on Dick's face as he acquiesced that he considered poor Tom to be mad, and indeed I was myself completely mystified by his conduct. I had, however, seen so many proofs of my friend's good sense and quickness of apprehension.